big sky, big potential. This is Eastern Promise. After 13 years, central government has said it is minded to call time on local enterprise partnerships, or LEPs, transferring their functions back into local authorities from 2024. LEPs were established in the earliest days of the coalition government in 2010, and there can be few bodies over recent years who have had such a transformational effect on Norfolk and Suffolk as the New Anglia Local Enterprise Partnership. Helming the New Anglia LEP from day one has been Chief Executive Chris Starkey, who had previously helmed the public-private initiative Shaping Norfolk's Future. Along with a succession of exceptional chairs, Andy Wood OBE, Mark Pendlington, Doug Field OBE and CJ Green, and an amazing team drawn from across the region, Chris turned New Anglia into one of the most highly regarded LEPs in England and successfully secured large amounts of investment for Norfolk and Suffolk. I caught up with Chris in his final days at the LEP as he prepared to step into a new but not unrelated role as Director of Growth and Investment at Norfolk County Council. You have, I think it's fair to say, seen a lot in terms of the growth and development of Norfolk and Suffolk. Can we just start perhaps getting with the potted history of Chris Starkey mm. and then we'll move on to think what well, I, I sort of loosely termed the LEP's greatest hits. Okay, so, so I, uh, I helped establish the Local Enterprise Partnership back in 2011. Going backwards from there, I was previously Chief Executive of Shaping Norfolk's Future, which was Norfolk's public-private economic development partnership. Before that, I had uh, more than a decade as a journalist. So I started my career in Derbyshire, South Derbyshire. Right. Uh, Edwina Curry was the local MP <laughs> on a newspaper called the Burton Mail. I then moved to Bristol, Bristol Evening Post, and uh, was the business editor there for a number of years before joining a startup radio station in Bristol as the news editor, uh, and then transferring up to to Norwich to Anglia Television, uh -huh. uh, where I worked for eighteen months as a producer in the newsroom, and then moved backwards from TV into back into print as the business editor of the Eastern Daily Press for five years, which takes us through to when I moved over to from from the Eastern Daily Press to, to become uh, Chief Exec of Shaping Norfolk's Future. Uh, that was in 2008. Business was my specialism uh, for a number of years. Um, and then across to economic development. Mm. So you've come in day one. Um, I mean, I remember I was sort of working in small p politics at the mm. time, the LEPs were established. And you've come in day one as, as the new Chief Exec. What was your view then of what the LEPs could achieve. I mean, you were slightly sort of, like all sort of public public related authorities, you're sort of slightly, uh, always going to be slightly victim to the tinkering of whatever Whitehall um, Westminster decides it wants to do. But what was your view? So my view was, here's, uh, here's an opportunity to, I suppose, build from the bottom, build from a pretty much clean 
sheet of paper uh, in a minute. I can show you the original business plan, but it was created on somebody's kitchen table, a plan, right, if we have, we don't have any budget, so we're not constrained by budget. That, I, I recognise and, you know, associate myself with that kind of so idea. We're not constrained by budget, as in we didn't have to make choices, but, but if we wanted to grow the economy, what areas would we focus on? So there was kind of a bit of a liberating feeling. Same time, I guess, there was a recognition that, well, without any budget, this is going to be quite hard. <laughs> so, so I do remember um, Andy Wood, the first chair, his view. Uh, and, you know, Andy Wood, as the first chair, huge credit to, to, to what the local enterprise partnerships achieved over, over, over the periods, really down to, down to the vision of the chairs. And Andy was, well, let's collect a clear vision for what we... Um, what we can do, but get some quick wins in, so tr <coughs> gain some credibility. Because back in 2011, nobody knew what a local enterprise partnership was, let alone what it should do, and it certainly didn't have a track record. So, so the approach was always to say, right, we need to prove ourselves, prove we've got, we're we're capable, prove that we can make a difference, and most importantly, add value. Adding value, otherwise, there's no point in existing. Looking back, what would you say are the, the, the things that the LEP achieved of which you are most proud? Mm, if, really if, you know, it's a big question, but... It is. Um, a little bit depends on... I mean, there are a huge number of things. Genuinely, there are a huge number of things that, 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 that we've achieved. And so it would depend, perhaps, if you asked me today, if, I, if you asked me tomorrow, I might give you a slightly different list. Um, but I think the Enterprise Zone's been... Uh, enormously mm. successful, proof that relatively modest intervention by government can deliver accelerated growth. That's what it is. It's about how do you uh, how do you encourage inward investment, encourage local investment, and accelerate it. So inward, the, 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 the program was fantastic, uh, particularly our first enterprise zone where we were doing things the team had not done before, um, hitting the original targets we submitted to government. Everyone puts ambitious bids into government for things. Yes. <laughs> we actually achieved the targets we set. Second one would be our growing business fund. So at a time when government was, it was austerity time, it was, <clears throat> it was looking to reduce the size of the state and increase the private sector. How do you accelerate private sector growth and one of the big problems we have in this country is a lack of private sector investment. So how do you do that at a time uh, uh, you know, when, when things were not going well? So the Growing Business Fund um, has invested in, well, so we've invested, what, 20, 30 million, and business have, in, have invested five times that amount in. Yeah. And, and the good news is we can count every penny because we can see it, and it created several thousand jobs as well. So those two things, as we're sat here now, uh, are standouts. But I'm also proud of the skills projects. So College of West Anglia, the new university centre, had been an aspiration there for a decade. Mm. The Energy Skills Centre in Lowestoft, again, they've been yeah. wanting that for yeah. a long, long time. And I know roads aren't terribly uh, the, 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 um, <laughs> the thing we're supposed to crow about. But again, if you look at 
the Berry, uh, Berry St Edmunds Relief Road, that has opened up that industrial estate. Yeah. Which again, the the borough had been working on trying to trying to get funding for, with the RDA for, again, several years. That now is one of the most successful industrial sites in the region. Huge development there. It's enabled companies like Treat to stay in Berry, international headquarters and so on. Yeah. Um, and and has brought about really, really significant growth in Bury St Edmunds. Uh, so let's talk about Lower Stoffton. Yep. For my money, and I say this on the podcast a lot, that this is the most exciting time, the most exciting time to be in the east of England yep. when you have science, life science. I mean, we're yep. on the Norwich Research Park, yep. the, the, you know, the global home of plant science. Yep. And you've got Cambridge down the road, and Cambridge doesn't need any help from me in selling itself. Um, and but you've also got the clean energy piece, and as we said, we've talked to Jonathan Reynolds at Opogee, yep. and we raved about the clean energy piece. And you know, it, it's it's a situation I think that we have everything this country needs in the east of England mm -hmm. for the future. Lots of other places have got bits of it. I don't deny that, but I think we've got the whole package, and I mm -hmm. think we alone have the whole package. And that's a tribute to you uh, and the New Anglia Let for the work you've done building that. And rightly, you have been recognised correctly, rightly as sort of amongst the foremost LEPs in England. So what is your view on how we're going to grow somewhere like Lowestoft and Yarmouth when we've got all this investment going into the renewable energy, offshore wind infrastructure, more facilities means more vessels, more vessels means more crews, more crews means more activity in the supply chain, yep. just like Sizewell C. How can we make the most of that? I mean, obviously Great Yarmouth's going to be your bailiwick going forward. Yep. So, is is the question how we generally can make use of it, or, or what are we asking government could to do? Well, no, I, I, my, my, I, I'm thinking <laughs> about us really. I'm, I, I try to. I, one of my mantras is, I'm, you know, let's not worry. Let's see what the levers are in our hands, and before we worry about government. And what I was actually yeah. going to go on and ask you is how your experience is of dealing with government, because it's interesting to compare, you know, experiences. Yeah, but yeah, yeah lower, how can we? as a region, as a county, as the let now as, as, as yeah. Norfolk County Council in the future. I can, I can foresee a future where lower stuff and Yarmouth are transformed yeah. quite easily if we get it right. I say they're all we, but... Yeah, so, so look, there are, there are a number of building blocks to a place, but a successful place has thriving industry, commerce at the heart of it. Look at Cambridge. Cambridge's success is built on its universities, yes, but not just its universities, no, it's, no. it's the businesses and the sectors, they are the beating heart of it. The university helps feed that and so on. In Lowestoft, the challenge we've had over the past decades is traditional industries have, uh, have been in decline. And it's also a, a difficult to attract Lowestoft because of its location to it, to, to it let's say, uh, you know, a high-tech at a high-tech Cambridge-style business isn't going to pick their off because it's geographically on the margins, which is why offshore wind, the energy sector, has to be its heart because Lurstoft is the best place to be for it. So you have yeah. to maximise that. And I think, how do we ensure that businesses in that sector choose Lurstoft? Well, we need the right premises. We need the right skilled labour. 
it needs to be accessible to obviously to the offshore market but also uh, to um, to the rest of the UK as well so how we can grow the cluster you can grow the cluster you then provide the, uh, the business rates the um, people to buy the houses that you want to you want to develop because you, there's no sense in just building a you know building a massive housing estate if there's no business and, and industry and people there um, so I think developing enhancing and maximizing the economy is the critical critical piece and uh, in a sense all, all flows from that but but the kind of what I what I say really is we need to learn the lessons from the gas um, the gas of the the gas of the sixties of, of offshore gas and so on. The huge wealth that was generated by uh, the exploration for gas and the Southern Sea did not stick in not enough of it stuck with Great Yarmouth and Lowestoft. It was um, you know uh, multinational companies would come in, uh, they'd sort of helicopter people in, live figuratively and literally. It didn't transform the ta either town, and I think that's that's for me the learning we have to uh, we have to capture because just growing the economy on its own does not work. You've got to make sure that it's embedded within the uh, within the local community, and that's why investment in local skills so local people can benefit from uh, the new job opportunities is so critical. Ensuring we've got the right premises so that. Our own businesses can grow and start up. We're not just reliant in international ones dropping in a, mm. uh, a, a satellite office and then deciding, well, we'll pull out and so on. Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor. Yeah. And now one of the things that I've been fondest and having a lot of fun doing is getting into Cambridge and engaging with businesses there and growing the podcast there and the message as well. And yep. I've been actually, once you've sort of found your way in, it's there's a lot of openness that I found to looking to east, and I, you know, and, and again, I think that the, the possibilities, um, not instead of the Oxcamark as well as the Oxcamark, that the land of the Oxcamark, and I'm just going to riff for a second, so bear with me, is going to be quite expensive. Mm -hmm. Whereas, look at what we can offer, uh, and that's something I'm hoping to return to with Eastern Promise in the future. But, um, and again, my thesis is, and I'll say this, everyone's going to groan, but is like a, a, a jigsaw. Jigsaws don't fit together mm -hmm. every which way. You have to find the right connections to yep. build a beautiful picture. Could be a puppy, who knows? So what's your experience of, of, of building those links <laughs> between Nor Norfolk, Suffolk and Cambridgeshire? And where, lots of people will, will want me to ask where the Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor sits at present. So I think the Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor is a fantastic concept. It is. It's a brilliant concept because you are providing opportunities for all. Let me just explain what I mean by that. So let's start at the Norwich end. The opportunity for Norwich, uh, which we're sat here today at uh, Norwich Research Park, a global uh, research centre. Um, but it's arguably a little bit off the, on the edge of the map. How do you plug uh, the science at Nor in Norwich, at the UEA, um, in with um, colleagues in Cambridge. How do you get them collaborate, collaborating more? You've got, you actually have different parts of, to use your analogy, a jigsaw, different different pieces of jigsaw which you can which you can lock together, uh, uh, and so on. So, so there's opportunities for Norwich. There's opportunities for uh, the the kind of 
the, the, the space in between, if you if you call it that. So places like Thetford, yes, uh, places like Attleborough, Wyndham, huge uh, there's huge available land, but there's also significant skills, particularly around manufacturing, agri tech, but. In, the, in a sense, in the production piece, uh, the manufacturing, the distribution piece. Um, and then you take it to Cambridge and you say, well, what, why, why does Cambridge need all of this? It's got, it's got love to the north, it's supposed to be working with Peterborough, it's love to the south, it's supposed to be on this M11 corridor. Uh, and then there's, of course, the Oxcam Cup. It can't cope with, uh, with another one. But actually, I think there's big opportunities for Cambridge um, to, to, to recognise, I think, the, the skills that it doesn't have, which it sometimes struggles to consider that it may not have all the skills that are required, um, to the east. And as you say, there's a, uh, the biggest problem in Cambridge is the price of the land. Second biggest problem is availability of, uh, availability of workers. Well, actually, both of those you can find to the east. So, um, so I think there's, the, there's some interesting sort of learnings and interesting opportunities for uh, for the corridor as a kind of dynamic ecosystem. Now, when I spoke to Jonathan Reynolds, we talked about, I mean, his role as the uh, chair of the innovation uh, board yep. at Venue Anglia. Like, what, and this is a, a concern he raised, and I promise to, to take it forward, what yep. can you say to businesses who are looking at the voice they have, and I'm sure this has been thought of, mm -hmm. the voice they had in the LEP? Yeah. Uh, in, and how that's going to be reflected in the new arrangements. So, the new arrangements, that doesn't the new arrangements. Yeah, so the new arrangements. Um, so, so the kind of structures we're moving to, we'll be moving to, will be county-based structures rather than across Norfolk and Suffolk. So those are the building blocks because that is the direction of travel government wants to move in. Business voice, though, will be absolutely critical at the heart of, of this. So in both counties, Norfolk and in Suffolk, we will be developing fresh out the box business boards. So the business boards will provide that clear um, business voice, vocal business voice. Being they'll be engaged in all parts of, of, of economic development in terms of the planning of the strategy, uh, overseeing uh, and scrutinising uh, and participating in the kind of projects and programmes and so on that are, that are developed um, and, dare I say it, holding, holding uh, politicians and officers to account. Um, we're working on the models for both of those because we've got uh, the summer, the autumn to, to develop those and so on and we'll be engaging with the business community in that, uh, particularly to help shape that uh, as, as far as Norfolk's concerned, I know colleagues in Suffolk are doing, will be doing something similar. The other thing to say is sector groups and the innovation board, we absolutely intend for those to continue yeah. and probably across Norfolk and Suffolk because we've spent the past 10 years, I said earlier in, the, in our conversation that um, one of the great things about uh, the local enterprise partnership has been collaboration between Norfolk and Suffolk. Uh, you know, we can uh, we can spar on the football pitch next season. It'll be interesting. Um, <laughs> Cambridge never really has that problem to worry about. <laughs> um, and um, well, I'm going to go and hopefully go, going to go and visit Cambridge United to look at their uh, community work. So I won't mention that. I, think, don't mention, I get you. Don't mention that. Um, and um, 
Um, but but as far as but, but as far as the economy concerns, it's about collaboration. So so whether it's the energy sector, whether it's agri-food, whether it's IC digital, and definitely innovation, we want to ensure that two-county collaboration, three-county collaboration with Cambridgeshire, four-county collaboration with Essex, where 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 it works, yeah. um, uh, is strengthened and continues, uh, and the business voice at the heart of that. When I did the event on the train. And we had a load of people from Cambridge, a load of people from Norwich mm. having their little networking. But we Apologies, were... I missed that. That sounds I like a great... But we, I wanted yeah. to do it again, and I will do it again. <laughs> this time, my plan is to do it with two trains, one from Norwich, one from Ipswich. And if the Wi-Fi holds out, I want to do a, like a team call yeah. between the two trains. That'll be fun. And uh, hopefully that yeah. um, I, I know plenty of places. One of my regrets of the year is not managing to... Well, I was double booked, so... That's, I mean, we missed you. But, um, <laughs> but one of the things I did talk about with Jonathan Denby, he was stressing how the hourly service to Cambridge was basically an act of will to sort of force that through uh, along the lines of uh, Norwich and 19th that you were yep. mentioning earlier. And, and I have to I really do like the new, the new Greater Anglia fleet. It's lovely. It is. Uh, it's, it, was, it was completely different from my trip down to, to Foxton with the, the mayor of Cambridge from Peterborough, really? which was a completely <laughs> different experience. <laughs> but, and, 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 and sidetracking you as I am, the, for me, the London to Norwich trains are an upgrade but if you, and as I'm sure you have, travelled uh, Ipswich to Lerstoft or... I have, as yeah. I went out to see the Orbis, yeah. OK, so remember what the trains were like on oh, that yeah. service before. So, <clears throat> so they've literally skipped a generation. Mm. So they've gone from, you know, back of the class to front of the class. And I think, for me, that's, that is the transformational piece of, that, of the new fleet. And actually, if you, if you, if you now hop on the, uh, the Norwich to Nottingham service you kind of realise where, <coughs> where, where time time You time do, you still. really do. I went up to Manchester on that, so it was yep. horrid. <coughs> so, compare that with going on, going on, the, uh, on the Norwich to, oh, I do. I mean, I, to, to Chroma service. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I jump on the train to Cambridge mm. as, as a preference every time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where, where, where Mr Lynch allows, me, allows it. And that's, that's been my problem. I have not followed up with the, with the train thing because I'm waiting. I'm not marching a lot of very important people up a hill only to march them back down yeah. because they can't get on the train. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I spoke to the mayor of Cambridgeshire Peterborough, Dr Johnson, yesterday, he sort of, unprompted by me, said, I want to tell everybody in Norfolk that I'm on Ely. I'm on Ely, I understand its importance, mm. and you'll understand its importance. And I'm not going to ask you to, to make the case for Ely, because all our listeners will know what the case for Ely is. And, and I know that this will be, again, something that both Norfolk and Suffolk uh, will be on uh, in, in, in the future. Yeah. Um, what I want to <laughs> say is, once we've unlocked that, I was really excited that, OK, we got to an hour by an act of sort of will and yes. guts <laughs> and push, push, push. Couldn't we do half hour? Can we do a half hourly service? And now we've got this Cambridge South that unlocks our access by train yep. to the biomedical campus. Yep. What wonders can we achieve with a half hourly service? Well, it would be transformational. And, and, and as um, the railway people will tell you, I'm sure Jonathan will tell you, there is, uh, there is something really psychological about a, a half hourly service because people know that they can turn up and they haven't got that long to wait exactly yeah whereas an hour still feels a bit of an impediment so it is a, it is a transformational transformational change look i am the biggest fan you will find of uh, of ely and hawley those those programs and so pleased that midlands connect 
um, and uh, and Transport East have really taken on the uh, on the uh, uh, the arguing, the lobbying, and so on for those. We've been we've been in the trenches uh, on those projects for well almost a decade, I should think, um, and. Um, you know, participated, chaired various uh, working groups in Ely and so on over the years. And so uh, it's reassuring that Dr. Johnson supports it. I knew he did. <laughs> yes. Cambridge are 100% behind it. So so it's one thing we have really had common, common cause around. Um, and, you know, it's so frustrating that those projects have not been approved. So frustrating when you think, yes, there are a lot of money, but they're a rounding compared with the cost of HS2. Yeah, and you have to look at what unlocks from that and all the, the fantastic things that can happen with a half-hourly service. That makes, you know, people going both ways um, on, the, on the train. Because uh, I remember when I was doing... But it's not really work, just Cambridge, is it? You think about it, East-West Rail... Stansted Airport as well. Well, Stansted now has a direct service from Norwich, but... Um, but um, but yeah, Norwich to through to uh, through to Ox uh, through through to Oxford and so on. So th that's really the um, uh, that that's the kind of uh, the aim and the aspiration. Yeah. Um, but but I agree. Half hourly service transformational makes such a difference uh, in terms of the uh, in terms of the the, the, the tech corridor. I, I I agree. Now I'm not asking you to. Mm. Obviously, you've you've got priorities of plenty. I know. Yep. But where did we where would we start where would chris starkey start in making that case is it a case we all have to sit down with a cold towel on our head and work out the you know the, the conference or do we just just blaze in and say this is a great idea because it you know it seems like a great idea and do we start building that coalition of the willing well, where, where would you start the from half hourly service case? yeah well fundamentally we have to get the have to get ely upgraded uh, and it's and it's a kind of as simple as that, we have we yeah. we have we have built the economic case. I think you're aware that it's stuck between the Department for Transport and the Treasury. Department for Transport likes it. The Treasury says it's too expensive. Um, so 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 I think that that that's the first thing. And the second thing is, we then have to work out what paths and what slots are available on that uh, by by opening up Ely. One of the things I've learned is that even Ely upgraded does not deliver everything that we all want on particular times and so on because there are freight paths, there are, do you want to improve the, I'm sounding really like a timetable engineer here, but do you want to improve Ipswich to Peterborough for example, mm. should that should that increase and so on. So uh, do you want Kings Lynn to London to be half hourly? All of those have to go through that. So I think, um, so for me it's trying to work out uh, what are what are the priorities in that, and um, and if there's space, and if there's, uh, then 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 Norwich Cambridge can can slot in because yeah. I think you know you, we have to think about the whole. You the do. Whole you picture. have to see the whole board, and yeah. it's easy. It's easy. Otherwise, to Mike. Get otherwise, away. Mike. Well, well, then it's not getting carried away, and it's right to get carried away. But but I think otherwise you end up lobbying against each other in exactly. the region. So what is the master plan for unlocking the maximum potential from yeah. from the, from those different corridors? You mentioned Transport East, mm. and we've got Creative East, and I know I've seen um, yep. friend of the show Robin Milton of Fairer Games out there, who's who's one of the current cohorts yep. on the Great Growth uh, scheme being run by Creative East. We 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 had Anglia, New Anglia Lep and its sector yes. groups. Yes. So one organisation doing a lot. 
are we now going to be seeing more sector groups? So basically one, one, one topic sector groups mm. cross border, like Transport East, like Creative East. Are we going to be, oh, we've got Tech East already. Uh, and Tim Robinson will be cross if I don't mention that. Mm. Um, are we going to see more like that or, or, or is that, that still to be decided? So our uh, approach is that we will support sector groups on the geography that they want to work. So, so from a Norfolk, moving forward from a Norfolk perspective, um, there's huge benefit in collaborating with colleagues in Suffolk. And I think Tech East uh, and Eastern Promise has shown that actually there's benefit in collaborating even further afield with colleagues in Essex and colleagues with uh, with Cambridge. The, the bigger you make the map, the more complicated it becomes, the more moving parts. But certainly our sector groups, um, it's certainly my personal intention and hope uh, that they will continue. So, so we're at the moment asking our New Anglia, so the New Anglia sponsored sector groups, because we have a we have a sort of federated relationship with them. So, uh, so Tech East uh, runs our industry council for ICT digital. Uh, we have an agri, agri uh, food uh, um, industry council. We have an energy industry council now, oh, and there's a name as well uh, to, to give to give four examples. So we're asking, asking each of those and the business folk who give their time, because I think one of the critical things is the amount of volunteer time by businesses because they see that's the right thing to do. Do you wish to continue? Do you wish to continue? The cultural board, Norfolk and Suffolk Cultural Board, um, which um, uh, and so on. Do you wish to continue? If you wish to continue, we'll support you as Norfolk and as Suffolk, but as the two councils working together. Mm. And that is, that is what we said we'd do because what we do not want is, uh, is a diminution of, of this collaboration because collaboration is, is, is key and critical between the private sector and the public sector. That's how we get our economy really moting and moving. So, so as far as I'm concerned, sector groups are really important to what I want to do in Norfolk. Um, what colleagues want to do in Suffolk and therefore sector groups um, certainly I, I, I would like to see them continue. Well Chris Ducky, thank you ever so much for your time it has been a pleasure to interview I can carry on for ages but <laughs> you've got you're a busy man and you've got a very important job to do now and a very a very important job in the future. New Anglia I think it's fair to say has been incredibly consequential for our region it has done so many good things and supported so many businesses, large and small. It's done big capital projects. It's, it's through its funds has supported so many small businesses. Thank you for everything you've done on, I'm slightly um, taking liberties, but on behalf of the, the public and private sector, thank you for everything you've done as part of New Anglip and best, we wish you all the best for the future. My thanks to Chris for that hugely insightful interview. Listeners to the Omnibus edition will have heard an abridged version of my chat with Chris Darkey whereas you can find the full, unabridged version covering much, much more on your podcast feed or via the Eastern Promise website, easternpromise.org.uk. You can contact Eastern Promise and find out more about what we do by visiting our website, easternpromise.org.uk. Eastern Promise is a Priors Croft production on behalf of the Eastern Promise East Anglia Community Interest Company.